0: Hello everyone and welcome to the debug log episode 69. Today we're gonna to be talking about a topic that is familiar for uh, developers but not that much for artists or sound designers. I'm talking about design patterns. Specifically, we're gonna be covering the state pattern. We're gonna explain what a design pattern is, why would you like to use them, and also some use cases where the state pattern is extremely useful, like AI. Or um, to manage the different screens in your game. So if you want to know more, keep listening to the Debug Log, episode 69.
1: I liked
2: your VR video.
0: Yeah. Okay. Dude, yeah. Oh my gosh, I
1: laughed so hard. <laughs> I don't think it was bad. It wasn't anybody like, except no, for no, some, I, I was the worst joking, times of those people were like, the worst of that girl fell. Oh in my gosh, she <laughs> No, the first one, the, where the kid tried to put his hand down on the table and just fell forward.
2: Yeah, that he yeah, he's smacked. I'm me too. pretty
1: sure he knocked himself out.
0: You're listening to the debug log, the podcast about game development. My name is Eduardo Castillo Fernandez. My name's Andrew Curry.
1: I'm Obino Oparo. And I'm Zach Schneider.
0: Okay, and today we're going to talk about design patterns in game development, specifically the state pattern. But before we start, um, Ovina, do you want to read some reviews that we have on iTunes?
3: Oh yes, of course. It's been—I feel like it's been a while since I've read any reviews, so it feels good to read another review. And this is a glowing review from Sentinel Nine Four Nine, who titled it "One of the Best." I started listening to the debug log because my son and I were using unity to learn game development. This is the best programming podcast I have listened to. And the regular episodes help keep me and my son motivated in our game development journey. I know how much work this can be and I really appreciate the podcast and effort. Keep them coming. I'm sure this will inspire the next generation of great games. Oh, geez. shots. shots. Oh, shots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Appreciate it. Lives. Yeah, exactly. Cool. And
0: so,
2: if you want
3: to write a review, go to it iTunes. Do
0: the <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh,
3: that was a little awkward ending, but yeah, if you uh, just keep writing those reviews, they really, really help. It's fun reading them, like uh, we've always said. Uh, and we got to catch up on reading some of these reviews. We got a lot in the tank, uh, a lot of good reviews coming, and we want to keep keep the good vibes flowing and and keep our ratings up at iTunes because that helps us as well. So,
0: awesome. Thank you, Avina. So guys, like I said before, we're going to talk about today about design patterns, uh, the state pattern specifically. And today is going to be first we're going to um, go through what is a design pattern. Um, Just mention a couple of them. Um, Then we'll go in more specifically uh, the state pattern, what it is, what problem it solves. And we're going to talk about some of the implementations. I'm pretty sure there are a bunch of them out there, so we just have enough time to talk about um, a couple. So, who wants to answer the question of the day? What's a design pattern? (laughs) Yeah, crickets, (laughs) oh my God. Uh You know, let's switch it
3: up. Eduardo, why don't you tell us what is
0: a design pattern? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so a design pattern is um, a solution to um, a problem that is already like the solution is already established. Like so many people um, developed and the same solution in similar ways. So once that solutions has been um, known, is established as a design pattern. So for example, you have the singleton, the state pattern, the um, observer. So so many solutions that already are the same. So it's nothing proprietary or anything like that. You can come up with something that was already um, established already and you didn't even know it. It's just a name to a popular solution for a por- for a problem.
2: Eduardo, I'm a game developer. I don't have time for this crap. <laughs> why, did, why do design patterns matter to me,
0: though? <laughs> because you don't want to reinvent the wheel. Oh, okay. So, I get it now. So you get it now. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Yeah, basically, design patterns are super useful um, to because you have a set of solutions already, and you know they're, they solve common problems that you have. So, like structuring your your uh, application, how to uh, implement an AI and stuff like that, how to optimize your game, and you want to make use of those. And you know that solution has been proven. You don't want to come out with like everything from scratch you want to reuse as much as possible yeah i remember from when
3: i first like discovered design patterns i remember i was working on um, i think i was doing something with states and just doing like a a simple state machine that uh you well, know at least that when i was building it out <laughs> i thought it, i thought it was like um oh this is i'm a genius i'm creating this you know state driven <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> game right now and i was like i was really feeling myself and then um eventually someone told me like oh you just did a state machine and I looked it up, you know, I looked up state machines on design patterns. And I was like, oh my God, I can't believe I wasted like a
2: week yeah. doing the state machine. That's what I was about to say. Everybody quote unquote discovers design patterns. Yeah. It's <laughs> like It's like, look what I've made in my lab. This is amazing. <laughs> and, and then it's like, oh yeah, that, that's a design pattern. You can just look at that. It's like, hey. Yeah. It, it's actually, right. be done actually in like better five lines than mine too. too. <laughs> yeah.
0: But yeah. Yeah. I think that happened to me too. Um, specifically with the state pattern. Um, I made like a switch and I had the same reaction that you had, uh, being, I was like, I'm a genius. <laughs> and then it, no, no, you're you're not. That's already done. Yeah. So, um, once we discussed what's the design pattern, um, uh, like, and, and, you know, some of them, like I mentioned, the singleton state machine observer, uh, do you guys know, like another popular one?
3: uh there's there's plenty there's um what's the one i guess observer is like the event driven listener um what else is there the factory second factory factory one
0: (laughs) (laughs) uh
3: you know actually it was just talking generally about design patterns i think one of like the things that we've that i've heard in the past especially from like even like from experienced developers is like you know why I don't understand why people really use design patterns. It's just as easy to create a solution you know from scratch or that again you know there's like been this age old debate about whether to use de- design patterns or not. I don't know if am I speaking out of turn there or is, there, or is that no that's something good. I think have-
2: I think because. Well, this is a. I think in general, we want to cover a lot of these design patterns. So, this is a good conversation to have right now okay. <laughs> about the relevancy <laughs> of design patterns. Because sometimes, even, yeah, Eduardo, we'll get to Singleton at some point, but he wrote that Singleton article and yeah. he got the most feedback oh yeah. of anybody. <laughs> because people. Be like, no,
0: that's an anti pattern. That's a lot of people. Oh, yeah, that's an awesome idea. I'm like, oh.
2: Yeah, because people, yeah, game development's weird because, I mean, you could theoretically, we've talked about this before. Mm-hmm. There's not as much. I mean, I guess that nowadays when you have updates to games and they're living things, it's a little bit different, but usually compared to something like web dev where you have to constantly put maintenance on it. So having established patterns is really important so other people can look what you're doing and see what's with games. It's like it could be this mess. And if it works, ship it. Who cares? It works. And then we're out, you know, go on to the next game. But design patterns help because it's like, I mean, I guess you could, they either help in efficiency or also in optimization a lot of times with games, right? Yeah, you and like, extensibility oh. too, right? And 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 that really helps. And I, it, but it really they're people take them at different parts of their journey, right? Because when you start off, you're just it's just a mess of code and hard coding everything and doing all this junk. And then, like, I think Eduardo in that singleton article, he was saying, if you're not doing any of that stuff, start trying to do singletons. Mm-hmm. But then he had a lot of people who are more advanced <laughs> come in and go, well, Singletons, you shouldn't use that at all either. He's like, well, that wasn't what he was saying. He was saying if you're at a stage where you're using nothing, using some structure, and then maybe you get better beyond that and use more elaborate things. So, yeah, it's a varied audience to who we're talking to types of design patterns. Yeah,
3: and, and I don't know, even those folks that argued, I, I think it's all, uh, was it relative or contextual, like when and right, why right. you use a certain design pattern. I mean, I wouldn't say never use singletons ever, or I wouldn't say never use state machines or observer or factory, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. I think there are times and places and applications, whether it's a game or not a game, you know, where these design patterns and structures uh, of, you know, how you're coding a certain solution just makes sense. Or make more sense than having to rewrite something, you know, I don't know. Maybe you're using an array or to do a, you know, state machine or like you said, a switch statement or you know, a linked list. You know, just doing something completely different. And there's an easy structured way of doing a certain design pattern. So I don't know. Well, anyway, that's that's my. I, I think there's always context and and wheres and right. whys and when you can use a design pattern. I don't think it's ever a, a no thing.
0: Yeah, actually, yesterday I was uh, reading an article about why people don't use time machines, but I think it's the same like concept here. And he said that at the beginning you have something really simple, and you feel like a time machine would be an overkill. Um, so right. you start doing your own like the normal, uh, you know, even L solution or uh, switch or something like that, something really simple, and then it becomes. Uh, super big, and that's when you would really need a state machine. But it's too late because you already have a lot, a lot of code, and changing it to to use a state machine would be like too much time or too complicated. So you don't use it. So right. if you really use it at the beginning, even if it's simple, doesn't matter. Like it's gonna be more extensible, your code and uh, adaptable if you have to change something. Well, well, so I, I don't know. I don't know if I completely agree with that either.
3: I I, I would just say, like, it, it's really, like, just um, there's, like, a time and place for using uh, state machines. And sometimes it could make sense to use a state machine, even if your project or whatever your solution is relatively small. It really just depends, I think.
2: Um, I don't know. And, uh, it, and it just depends, too, because you could have something that's relatively complicated, in, like something like Unity. Mm-hmm. And just get by with scripting because it's just objects in right. You know what I mean? A lot yeah, of people like a make component model versus something else.
3: You mean like just the model you're
2: living in? Yeah, well, just just the fact that I mean the fact that yeah, that you have you can make certain games cuz it's like, you know, it has components and object components like mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily need a huge programming structure sometimes. Sometimes that's better and you mm-hmm. want to run things and have a grand central station of all your code yeah. and all. That's sometimes how programmers prefer it, but you can get along You even make complicated games without even touching some of that stuff. That's so true. it's just it depends, yeah.
0: So, well, we already started talking about like the state pattern so before we continue let me explain what it is so the definition of the state pattern according to wikipedia is it's a behavioral software design pattern that implements a state machine in an object-oriented way so let's like decompose that object-oriented way they mean um like with classes and representing objects of the real world um with classes and methods and stuff like that like methods inside classes for uh, functionalities and uh, classes for uh, the objects themselves like per- person, avatar, stuff like that, tree, uh, so that will be the objects. Um, the state machine is um, like a collection of states that are interconnected with transitions and you can be in one state at a time and you jump to other states uh, depending on a certain event that happens. So, for example, example of um, state machines would be Meganim. If you're using Unity, Meganim is a state machine. Or sometimes, so when you're working in a game and it's too complicated and you really want to see uh, like the game flow, and you draw a square and then you draw like uh An arrow to another square, and you see how okay he's going to do this, and then it's gonna. That's a state machine too. So it's as simple as that. Well, the, yeah, the first time
2: I, the, I think a lot of people when you do games, first time you ever when you start making your own simple one, and maybe this is what you did, I mean, mm-hmm. it's when you're trying to do scene management, yeah, like screen management. Because I did that, and when you're doing projects or trying to, oh, make a little web game. When you're making a game without a framework, sometimes it doesn't have that. You're like, I need to know that it's on the menu screen now. I need to know to transition to the fight screen or whatever it is. You know, that's a, that's a common use for state machines, I think, in games.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So for, for this, um, episode, I relied a lot on the, um, this book called, um, design patterns in game development game, no game programming patterns. My bad. So it's online. We're going to add the link in the, uh, Notes of the episode, so don't worry. It's really good. It has all this, and they specifically say in one uh, in the state pattern, you're going to have one fixed set of states that the machine can be in. For example, like I said, standing, jumping, uh, ducking, or diving. Um, in this is in the case of uh, uh, an AI. So the next um, like requirement is that the machine can only be in one state state at a time. So the avatar can't be jumping and standing simultaneously. Uh, the next one would be a sequence of inputs or events is sent to the machine so it, it reacts. Uh, for example, when you press a button the the state machine is going to react to react to be from uh, standing to jumping. Uh, And each state has a set of transitions, each associated with an input uh, and pointing to another state. So that means that you're in one state, you press one button, and it goes to another state. But it's uh, only one at a time. So having said that, I think you guys get the idea. Our audience is pretty smart. They get get this. What
3: happens on your
0: uh, first and last states? Do they also point to another state? Yeah, you can have a a state state. machine you can have a state machine that just like circles like you go from the end to the beginning again to start the game or you can have a state that just exits the game which would be your end state I guess so a state is something that is going to happen like uh, change the, the sprite in the avatar or off the trigger an animation
2: things like that yeah it doesn't have to be a not linear thing it can be a, <laughs> literally like a center, like an, an animation you'd have an idle state and that can branch off to a punch state a kick state a jump state and then it returns back to idle so it can kind of be like a hub structure too like that
0: yeah
3: what happens when um sorry i'm just like Almost playing don't devil worry. advocate here. But like for those animations that you're talking about, you know, Unity has something where they're blending states is and then you mentioned like a state machine can't really be in more than one state at a time. What is happening with Mechanim?
0: I don't know, my man. <laughs> I don't want that Unity. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Just... Uh I don't know, I guess. There are, yeah, I think it's
3: just like yeah, the animation transition. In that that's the transition because you could yeah, argue yeah. that
2: it switches state and the animation's catching up or something. You know. Yeah, I think yeah, it's, it's like, just it's running the animation. Yeah. It's in the animations,
3: and that's it's, it's DJing. It's, yeah. that's what it's doing. <laughs> that was a trick question. Just kidding.
0: <laughs> cool. You want wanting me to look bad? Oh my god! <laughs> I'm trying to stump him. <laughs> So yeah, the classic example that um, I can think of for a state machine is, uh, for example, when you have a platformer and your character can move to the right, to the left, jump, um, and you say, okay, this is pretty simple. Like I make a, uh, an if statement. If you press square, it's going to jump. But then you have the problem that if you press like square a bunch of times, it's going to jump while he's still jumping. So double jump and, and it's never going to stop. So for that, you have to make if and and it's gonna become a mess. So another option that you have is to make a switch, but you're going to have the same problem if you start adding more actions. So let's say you're, you have a fighting game or something like that and you start jumping and then you say, no, but if I press triangle, it's gonna jump and punch but in the circle it <clears throat> kicks, so what if you jump, press the triangle to punch, and then you press the kick? What's going to do that? And it's just a, a bunch of, um, you know, if analysis in, inside the switch that you don't want to handle because it's going to become too much and too confusing uh, of a code and very yeah. large code really, yeah. really quickly.
2: Because you don't, because you might want two different things in that situation. You might want animation canceling or not. You know what I mean? You might want it to blend or you might want to, no, you got to wait till your jump is over and then you can kick. Yeah, exactly. But again, to your point, that can become a mess of conditions if you don't have something a little more elegant to organize it.
0: Mm -hmm. And even in some parts, you could be like going from one state to uh, the previous state, depending on the situation. So you have to duplicate the code and then you have the problem that what's like copying and pasting the code so that's not really a, re- a good idea. So one implementation that I really like and is actually the one that I'm using for uh, my Wizard fighting game is having um, you know classes that define states for uh, that they will define the behavior of your of your character. So, doing that. you're doing that in our game too, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. So, something very similar. So, where you, you take, uh, you basically have uh, an action class and then all your actions inherit from that class. They're, and that all, way... out,
2: they're all classes themselves. Yeah, right, know? exactly. Yeah.
1: And then you can have, you know, you have all those actions and all the code for each one of those actions can be separate. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. It's the same thing. Oh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yeah, like uh, Sai so was saying, basically, you will have a bunch of classes that will define. Uh, behavior. For example, I have a method called process input and there I will handle what inputs are valid depending on the state that I I am. So if I'm um, summoning a spell or or a creature, I cannot like cast a fireball uh, at at the same time because I'm already using... uh, well just to put you in context, my game is uh, for the vive so you can use both hands. So if you're casting a spell with the right hand, you can cast another one with your left hand, but your right hand is going to be uh, like busy, so you cannot cast another one. You'll have to wait until you finish that spell. So the way you can do that is defining the classes and saying in the, the, like the logic or the brain of your character, is going to have a state and you you change that state class uh, depending on on the actions. And uh, that way you avoid being able to like cast a fireball while summoning something. You just can't do it because it's not defined. On the other hand, if you have a bunch of uh, if and else's, uh, you have to like handle what happens if I press this and what happens if I don't press it. You know, it's a lot simpler. When, when you have uh, your, what you can do defined in one class. And by swapping that class, you completely change the behavior of, of that, of that um, um, state. And of course, that's super useful if you have different um, avatars too, because they might have similar um, you know, transitions. But actually, the behavior is different. So they have different powers. Um, so, yeah, can you guys want to give another example of what, like, when to use state machines? Ovino? exactly. maybe not uh,
3: another a- example I guess but we could just I guess we, I think we've kind of touched on this already but just like the different use cases for where you would use a state machine we've mentioned like actual you know player input or you know player controller type states where you're like you're sitting standing or animation states where you're actually playing animation to sit playing animation to stand kick fight etc and then there's like what Andrew mentioned is the gameplay uh, or game state uh where you would have like login state where maybe you're logging into the server you have you know create ca- you know create character state or you know combat state or you know matchmaking state etc this is more right. for like a multiplayer state but you just can have like the game state like the state the game is in at any particular time which is also switching and transitioning between states and, and like eduardo said those are all not modular but like um encapsulated maybe or encapsulated in the sense where, you know, the functionality for that state is just in that, that particular class. And as far as implementation, I think we were kind of talking about like the switch statement versus the classes, but, you know, usually you'll see like state machines, you know, always making use of like, like Zach said, you know, he's inheriting from a common class, maybe like I state or I, you know, I state machine or state I don't know, whatever, just eight state, but just like it just inherits all because the, there's going to be similar function, like Eduardo mentioned, for every state you're in. You're going to have a, you know, on enter or, you know, on enter, on exit or transition states. Um, so all those can be shared across all your states, whether you're doing gameplay states, animation states or character states. So I think that's why it's it's a highly used, you know, design pattern. Uh, it's kind of implemented uh, pretty much the same way. I think that's why there's a lot of similarities between even Zach's, you know, implementation and Eduardo's uh, because it's kind of, I wouldn't say there's one way, but there's like one good way to do it. It's just like having that inherited states yeah. and just transition states between the two. And there's an enter on exit. Uh, and, and another thing, I guess a key thing I would like to point out when you're dealing with states is making sure every state is, you know, comes in cleanly, I guess, and cleans and like cleans itself up and, and you know, sets its, you know, at least, what's the word I'm looking for? I guess Reset? just, oh, yeah, resets or just making sure it maintains its awareness. Y- sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs>
2: Kick off all the rest of that code and come back to it. Exactly, it's a so, clean every, state. Exactly.
3: Yeah. Every time you enter that state, you're going to expect, and you'll
2: you'll get the same result every single time,
3: uh, minus certain inputs, of course. But anyway,
2: yeah, but- it, it, it's weird if you think about it, because the reason this comes up in, I mean. In more in games than I mean I guess it but it ha- this happens in web stuff and other kinds of programming too but games is just such they're all interactive you know objects so if it's interactive you you would think you would have different states because AI is the big one too we didn't mention right
1: yeah. where it's yeah. like
2: every little object in your game because it, you can interact with it that by definition means it has different states <laughs> you know what I mean mm-hmm. so each of these things like you said are just these many little universes of states so yeah that's why it's so this one's like the big big one for game development because it's and there's a bunch of little universes in your games where you need to keep the first reason when I needed to start using this first is to organize but to keep track of them. You know, it's like where is this right now? What am I doing? And then move on from there to do some more kind of complex object oriented stuff. Yeah,
3: actually, speaking of to you, you mentioned like to kind of manage things or manage your states or manage your game. Usually, you'll have like a, a state machine manager or the state machine is actually housing all of these states so that way it knows you know what the first state is and what the last state is and what states are in between so you will usually have like those two pieces of your state machine design pattern where you have the state you're, manage
0: you're talking about for like managing the states of the game in general or something more specific like an AI? both i
3: think even for ai uh, player character or the game state you'll need something that's going to manage when things are switching and what they're switching to, well, the individual state can say, "Hey, I'm gonna my next state is gonna be this, or my previous state is gonna be this, or my fail state might be this." You know, that that's something you can set up within the state. Uh, but usually, you'll have something that manages, so where you can call your manager and say, "Hey, what state am I in? Uh, what's the next state?" Oh, got you.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: Anyway. Yeah, it's so I, like this uh, is more implementation like- talk, I guess.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's it's more about, like, what do you prefer and what do you really use? Uh, Because I know you use uh, State Machines a lot, like, specifically the Switch implementation for, uh, like, managing the screens of your game. Um, In my opinion, that's that's a perfect solution for, uh, like, screen management. Because you don't have to have, like, so many crazy... Uh, classes and stuff like that well you might but in my opinion I haven't had to use it so for just handling screens with the switch I'm fine like it has it's clear I have all the different screens that I that I need but for an AI I do prefer the class implementation
2: so when the class implementation makes steps a lot of times when it, it feels like the the states get a little more kind of solid and into more object-oriented as yeah. complexity comes because you need it. Because also, I mean, if you just do that with a switch, the problem you have that method is that it's not dynamic, you know, and you can't add yeah. state on the fly, which you can do if you just add another class and then it can just switch. It doesn't care what it's switching to. It just knows it's switching to that state, you know. So that that's really the benefit of as they go from even no state machines to simple state machines to more elaborate is that it makes – complex things very simple and elegant and where you don't have a thousand conditions yeah. like if this equals that and it also equals this but it's greater than then move to scene four <laughs> yeah. like truly, kind
3: of truly i think the argument is really just elegancy and i guess readability and reusability because yeah. you could you know program a whole game in a single class if you i mean you could i mean i don't know what kind of game it would be but it's possible so just like the same with states you can pr- you can put all your states in a single class but It's might. It's not going to be extensible. It's not going to be hardly reusable. It's probably going to be you know used only for that game, so that's why people you know favor object-oriented design and stuff like Mm -hmm. that and building out classes and state or states as classes because it allows for that extensibility and reusability and just you know ease of code.
0: So, I think that's well done. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So I think that has been all for the class today. <laughs> uh, we're gonna take a break and uh, we will be back Okay we're back and um, before we finish the show um, I want to mention and say thanks to um, all the guys that support uh, the podcast in patreon Thank you thank you very much and um, if you want to help us out, Go to patreon.com slash the debug log and make a pledge. It will be um, a lot to us. So um, thank you very much in advance. And Zach, do you want to tell them about the debug lounge? Sure. The the debug
1: lounge is our uh, super exclusive Facebook group. Uh, where a bunch of devs can get together and, and talk about uh, problems they're having or just uh, talk about the progress they're making on their projects, things like or that. Or
2: post VR fail videos. <laughs> or or post VR
1: <laughs> fail videos, uh, which is an awesome video. You should definitely go try to check it out. Um, to uh, get into that group, you can just uh, either uh, uh, request uh, access to it um, via uh, Facebook, or you can um, so, uh, – what is it called um, – Join our newsletter. Uh, the newsletter, yeah, th- yeah, that's, but that's what the way to do it. Just search
2: for it on Facebook. That's the best way. it yeah. To yeah. Actually,
1: the have Eduardo. have we been adding people? <laughs> I'm sure Eduardo's on top of it. Of course, he's silent. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, oh guys, we have no 40 <laughs> requests.
2: <laughs> also, you can check out our of the same name. We have a show, the Debug Lounge, is a YouTube show where we interview game devs. We might be changing it up a little soon. We'll still have interviews, but it might have more fun stuff too. Look this week, I'm putting Zach in the spot. We're gonna release or in the next couple of few days, we're gonna need to release our episode with the Tex Mesh Pro uh, team because we that just got announced this week. You know, the Unity bought them apparently or they're integrating it, you know, natively into Unity. So we had an awesome that was our longest interview at Unite. It's like twenty five minutes. We had we ran out of tape we had to go delete that's remember that true, we, had yeah. to, we had to stop the interview so like then get in clear space and like, let's going. do this so, again that's <laughs> so really it's really a cool perspective on even if you guys are out there thinking about making plugins it's a cool story about that how he started not knowing a lot about text and he learned from requests and software you know bugs and stuff like that so very
0: cool conversation. so yep yeah, that's it for today if you want to uh, follow us uh, on Twitter, I'm um, at EduardoCF1989.
2: I'm at Andrew underscore Curry.
0: I'm at OBeans, O with an H, Beans with a am at WookieJumper42. Okay, um, see you guys. Really? Bye.